The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The fan. WFAN. Good Saturday night, New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartney. Let's call it McCartan before midnight, and I am, of course, the super utility around here, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you at up to 1 a.m. here in New York City and beyond. So whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now and throughout the next couple of hours, whether that be on your car radio, streaming from WFAN.com, or on our free Odyssey app, and, of course, as always, we are here in the Big Apple, New York City, and Paulie Rosenberg and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. So go ahead, 877-337-6666 is the number. Give it a dial, but you already knew that. Taking your calls maybe right here in this first segment, so let's get aboard. Because live from New York, it's Saturday night, and it feels so good to be back. I have an extremely full show planned for you tonight. I'm going to bring you my interviews with Martin Brodeur, Jack Hughes, and Captain Nico Heischer from the Devils Sweep the Deck Gala fundraiser that just this past week I went to. We'll talk about the Knicks' chances to make some real noise in the playoffs this season. Julius Randle dislocating his shoulder and what that might mean for the team. How Steph Curry challenged Sabrina Ionescu to a three-point competition. And of course... I want to make my picks for NFL Championship Sunday, and I wanted to go off and running with a look at the state of our baseball team. So I think now is a good time to do so. There are 18 days until Mets pitchers and catchers report to Port St. Lucie, and 19 until the Yankees are in Tampa. And there are also some big name free agents that are still out there that both of our teams need, and. As far as I'm concerned, both of our teams here in New York are incomplete. One more than the other. I was in a little bit of a reflective mood today. And as I started thinking back to last offseason, you know, maybe just one thing each of our teams could have done better or differently. And I just, as I'm sitting there, as I'm thinking, I couldn't help but notice the parallels to their moves and non-moves last year, to their moves and non-moves this winter. So since their pitchers and catchers and their entire team reports before the Yankees pitchers and catchers and their entire team, we'll look at the Mets first. Last winter, the Mets made a fatal mistake in not signing. Never mind a real designated hitter, but J.D. Martinez in particular. He was right there. For them, right there for the taking. And the Mets, you know, they didn't want him. And this is not a a Monday morning quarterback type thing for me. Um, You, who were locked in, knew that's who I wanted to DH for this Mets team this past season. He was my number one recommendation. And I don't have nearly as much information as the New York Mets have access to. And it was so obvious to little old me that... I just can't figure out why it was so obvious to them. Not obvious to them. I don't know. So 
ultimately, the Dodgers pounced. It was a one-year, $10 million deal. Good for them. They got a player who, in J.D. Martinez, hits for average, hits for power, drives in runs, and is still available this offseason right there for the Mets taking. And had J.D. Martinez played for the Mets, I did a little homework, ran a couple numbers. If J.D. Martinez played for the Mets last season, here's how he would have stacked up against any New York Met who stood in the batter's box for them last season. On base percentage, would have been sixth. Okay, whatever. Home runs, 33 for Martinez. He would have finished second only behind Alonzo. RBI, 103, would have finished second on the Mets only behind Alonzo. Batting average, 271 on the season, would have finished second only behind Nimmo. And his slugging percentage and OPS would have been best on the team. And he was an all-star. And he also suited up in a in a tight pinch for left field for the Dodgers at last season. And Daniel Vogelback, man, he never took the field. Not even a single inning for the Mets, ever. Not to mention that he that he finished with lower numbers than J.D. Martinez in every statistical category, except for on-base percentage, where Vogelback beat him out by just 18 hundredths of a point. Big whoop, as they say. Home runs, OPS plus, RBI. I, I looked at it all. How did the Mets swing and miss on that? It was a glaring need going into last winter and a huge mistake and something I bet, I think, that, that they would like to have back. Marching into the season with big old Danny V as their DH. So brutal. But the thing is, the Mets are on the verge of making the same mistake this offseason. They finished 20th in runs last season. You can't win many games if you're scoring the bottom third of teams in runs scored per game. And if you don't think an offensive upgrade is necessary, I don't know what to tell you. And while it isn't Daniel Vogelback that's slated to designate hit, designated hit for the Mets this season, to DH for the Mets this season, it's looking more and more with every passing day that Mark Vientos... It's going to be his job, a job he didn't earn. Mark Vientos and his career, 205 batting average. I mean, for crying out loud, give me Daniel Vogelback. He was better than that. When asked about adding a DH just about two weeks ago, Small Market Stern said this, quote, I don't think it's essential. We do have young players who want to make sure having sufficient at-bats we haven't made a firm decision on that one yet. End quote by Small Market Stearns. I mean, come on. Uh, are you kidding me? And also, too, the Mets, they have Matt Chapman out there. He's looking for a job. He's looking for a team. And you cannot tell me you'd prefer to have Brett Beatty at third base after watching him all last season. The eye test, he doesn't pass it. Oh, but the prospects, right? The prospects. You're really buying into that propaganda. The Mets officially have, as of I think it was yesterday, they ranked them four players in the top 100 MLB pipeline. And guess what? So do the Yankees. They have four as well. And they're not marketing their prospects to their fan base. They're marketing winning. 
None of the Mets' four prospects, by the way, are ranked higher than number 45 out of 100. And that, number 45, is Jet Williams. And who, oh, by the way, he was already on the team before any trades happened last season. He didn't come over in the Verlander trade. He didn't come over in the Scherzer trade. So the guy they already had is ranked the highest of all four of them. Clifford barely struck in at number 97. And uh, Acuna, the the only one I was mildly, on a scale of 0 to 10, a a 1 or a 2 excited about, he went from number 45 at the trade deadline last year to number 66th overall prospect this year. Exciting, right? That's exciting baseball. The biggest question for the Mets this season, no doubt, for small market Stearns is going to be what to do with Pete Alonso. And I, the more and more I think about this, the more I have this sneaking suspicion, this pit in my stomach, that small market Stearns is going to trade away the best power hitter the Mets have seen in decades for more of those coveted, air quotes, prospects. How are those working out for you? That, a a trade of Pete Alonso would be the biggest blunder in Mets history, in recent Mets history. Mets history. Uh, Maybe that was a Freudian slip, huh? Mets, Mets. In fact, if the Mets trade Alonso, I hope I'm on the radio that day. That's going to be what we call in the business a layup show. So David Stearns has not impressed me much, to borrow a line from Shania Twain, this winter. Not at all. I can't believe the Mets are punting on next season already. And as far as the Yankees, I mean, if you talk about needing a a mulligan for last winter, which move would Brian Cashman and company like to have back? And I'm sure in an honest, in a quiet, in a private moment, Carlos Rodon would be the answer. And I bet. Brian Cashman would love to have that Rodon contract back. And in fact, maybe never offer him one in the first place. It's just really that simple. The guy had an extensive injury history. He had just one good season before he got here in New York. And this, again, is not Monday morning quarterbacking for me here either because those who know, know. I never wanted the guy for those reasons, including the fact that his injuries were never in one spot. They were all over his body. Big toe, back, arm, leg, left fingernail. I'm just being facetious here, but you get where I'm going with this. That's really hard to overcome because if it's one single thing, you can look at it and say, okay, let's get surgery, let's fix it, and you'll be good to go. But when the injuries occur all over your body, that's concerning. And at the time, before he was even signed, I said, listen, you thought Jacob deGrom is out a lot with injury. Just wait until and if the Yankees get this guy Rodon. And when it came out, when the news broke that he he became a Yankee, I couldn't believe the amount of money that Brian Cashman shoveled to get him here. Six years, $162 million. I mean, what was he thinking? Rodon, uh, from what I've seen with my own eyes, he seems like a great guy, a stand-up guy. I hope he can rebound, but if not, how many more seasons of this nonsense? I don't know if I can handle it. Rodon said towards the end of the season, quote, I've got to prove my worth. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. And the Yankees, I know, 
since the last time you and I talked. Um, I, I know they brought in loudmouth Marcus Stroman since, you know, since, what, three weeks ago, the last time you and I talked right here in this studio. And besides Stroman's mouth and his Twitter fingers, out of, you know, I do extensive homework, and out of the available free agent pitchers, he was like fourth or fifth best besides his Twitter fingers, besides his comments as he, you know, got out of here. I couldn't think of a, I guess, in a blaze of glory after he left the Mets with his mouth and his, it was too much. And on top of that, he was like fourth or fifth on my ranking of, of free agent pitchers, starting pitchers, that is. I mean, he's here, right? So so the back end of the rotation, I think that's going to fit him best. I just hope he embraces it because he could be quite effective there if he embraces it. And I hope that his comments, whether they're digital or spoken, don't get him in trouble in the clubhouse with this team. But the thing here is, with really just a few days to go, there is at least one clear-cut number two starter still on the market for the Yankees to get. The Rodon General Hospital would still suck. But it wouldn't be so prevalent if he was like the number four guy in the rotation, right? Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole have the right mindset. John Heyman reported at the both of them. Push the Yankees for Blake Snell. Now, with that, with him, the Yankees would be in serious business. As of yesterday, the Yankees were the have been the only team to offer him a contract. He turned down reportedly six years, one hundred and fifty million. And apparently, in, in Feinstein's article, he said that Snell wants either a higher AAV, at least thirty million a year, or a longer contract. So, if I'm the Yankees. I mean, this is a no-brainer. I'm coming back with a longer contract option. So what if he can't start for you four years, five years down the road? Even three. You slide him to the bullpen or you make him your closer. And also this winter, I, I, I think Brian Cashman swing or swung and missed on Josh Hader. A real bona fide closer. You saw that Hal would be willing to spend the money for Yamamoto. So... That's not an excuse as to why he's not a Yankee. It's not the money. I, again, I I just, I don't like the way this bullpen is constructed. I don't like the way they deploy their relievers. And mostly, I really don't like Clay Holmes in the bottom of the ninth in a must-win game. I don't trust him. And while the Yankees seem to be changing their offensive philosophy, I think their relief pitching philosophy needs to be next. Because ultimately, when it comes down to it, the moves that they made this offseason so far, I think the Yankees are a number two starter and a closer away from uh, from at least getting to a World Series. I, I, I guess the best news in all of this is that Captain Judge came to the rescue when he told the Yankees brass that they were looking at the wrong numbers. I mean, this all go back goes back to October 1st when Aaron Judge told the group of assembled media this exactly. Quote, I think it's just looking at the right numbers. You get a lot of numbers. But I think maybe we might be looking at the wrong ones. We need to maybe value some other ones that some people might see as having no value. But when you're playing 162 games and you got to grind and play through things, I think there's certain things you can't put a number on. 
that from Aaron Judge on October 1st, and he continued that day, and he said, I think there's some stuff that happened this year that opened some people's eyes. Number one, first and foremost, Aaron Judge gets it. And number two, with the signings of Soto and Verdugo so far, it seems to me so far as though the organization is listening to him. There is a shift happening. Make no mistake about it. And I hope there's more emphasis put on that old school number called, oh, I don't know, batting average. And that old school number called, oh, I don't know, on base percentage. And those things called, what are they called? Extra base hits. And a real emphasis of achieving the lowest strikeout rate possible at the plate. Again, I did a little research. And because I was curious where those particular numbers for Verdugo and Soto last season would fit into the Yankees offense last season. Well, I used the numbers of every Yankee that stood at the plate even once last season for these calculations. For batting average, if you inserted Verdugo, he'd be third on the team, three hundredths of a decimal point behind Judge. Take him out, insert Soto, first. He would have been best on the team in batting average. And Fangraphs projects both guys' numbers in this category to go up. As far as on base percentage, if you insert Verdugo, he would have been fourth on last year's Yankees. Three hundredths of a decimal point behind LeMahieu. Now take him out, insert Soto. Soto would have been first. Best on the team in on base percentage. Again, Fangraphs project both these guys' numbers in this category to go up this upcoming season. For strikeout percentage, I use the guys with the most plate appearances here. If you insert Verdugo, he would have been second lowest. He would have had the second lowest strikeout percentage, only behind Glaber Torres on the team, almost 8% better than league average. Take him out, insert Soto, second lowest again, 5% better than league average. Imagine that. This winter, Brian Cashman brought in guys that would have had the second and third lowest strikeout rates on the team last season. It is no coincidence, let me tell you. Extra base hit percentage. Verdugo would have had the second best on the team last season, only behind Judge. If you take him out, insert Soto, he would have had the second best. Both better than league average in extra base hit percentage. Imagine that. Cashman brought in guys that would have had the second and third best extra base hit percentage on the team last year. That is no coincidence. It's deliberate. So keep building this lineup the right way. And keep focusing on the more important numbers that Aaron Judge alluded to and the ones you and I just looked at. I am seeing a shift in offensive philosophy take hold for these Yankees. Soto, Verdugo are exactly what the doctor ordered for this Yankees team. They are two philosophy-shifting offensive players for this Yankees team. I love it. Finally. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Testaverde will take the snap, go to one knee. This game is over. The Jets lock up their first playoff appearance since 1991 on a 21-16 victory over the Miami Dolphins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. To the fan, my name is Danielle McCartan, hanging with you till 1 a.m. right here in New York City. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. There are 18 days, exactly 18 days from right now, the Mets pitchers and the Mets catchers are going to be 
on the field in Port St. Lucie. This came fast this year, didn't it? 19 days until the Yankees pitchers and catchers are on the field in Tampa. Right across the street from the Buck Stadium. So I-, I thought this was a good juncture to talk about these two teams, especially being that Blake Snell is still out there, J.D. Martinez is still out there, a few other guys, free agents, that are, are, are yet to be signed. That would greatly benefit one or both of our teams. Matt Chapman for the Mets. I mean, when you look at the moves that both teams have made, it is obvious that the Yankees have made bigger, better moves. Juan Soto being one of them. And I can't get too, too excited about Soto because you know he's here essentially on a one-year deal. I mean, that's it. There is no Soto yet beyond this upcoming season. I think Verdugo's going to be sneaky good. When I asked him what he could bring to this lineup, it was, you know, um, I, I asked him some sort of, like, you played for the Red Sox, you've seen this Yankees lineup from afar, how can you make it better? And and the first thing he mentioned to me were his bat-to-ball skills, which is awesome because that's what the Yankees have been missing, lacking over the past couple seasons. It's what's gotten them in trouble in the postseason when they get there. They can't hit the ball. And the Mets, man, it's like hold up the Mets roster and hold up some Swiss cheese. Which has more holes in it? I'm not exactly sure. The Mets pitching rotation is is a disaster. Do they have a third baseman? They don't have a designated hitter. I mean, there's so many more question marks for this Mets team. And they're touting their prospects. Four prospects in the top 100. The highest of which being a guy, he was already there. Number 45, Jet Williams was already there. Before any trades were made last you know, last summer. The Verlander trade, the Serger trade. So, I don't know what you bought into, but it's a load of crap from small market Stearns. 877-337-6666. And man, oh man, do I want to be on the radio the day small market Stearns trades Pete Alonzo away. The best power hitter the Mets have had in, in decades. I want to be here that day. The station will burn down. 877-337-6666. We go out to Waterbury, Connecticut. Ray, you're up on the fan. What's going on, Ray? Hi, Danielle. Tremendous monologue. That's what I've been complaining about for the last two or three weeks. First of all, it's it's not the pros- the prospects that they, they're going to have. The third baseman, both of them can't field. Let's start right there. Yep. Neither one of them. Vientos is worse than Beatty, mm-hmm. number one. Neither one deserves to be handed the job. Never mind... It's not like they, they tore it up when they came up in September. Correct. Neither one of them been up twice uh, this in two years. Neither one hit over 200. Correct. And and the bottom line, yeah, they popped a few home runs, and they can't field. How do you, in a straight face, tell me you're going to hand the jobs over to them? Basically, you know what it's called, Danielle? It's called not wanting to spend money. That's what it's called. You know, it's not called... Uh, go let the, let's see the kids. I'll, I'll tell you what the kids are going to do. Nothing. The only one, uh, Alvarez, Mauricio. All right, I would have given him a good look. Mm-hmm. Alvarez is the one I, uh, is going to improve this year. Oh, I, I Maybe, love Francisco Alvarez. Right, he's going to show you. He's going to take over. To, he's going to be one of the best catchers in baseball yep. in the National League anyway. Totally agree. Here's the thing: you give the Mets. Not, not, not you know, they he double bound saying they're going after a wild card. He said that in, in the Dominican Republic to Andy Martino. But all right, here's all you have to do. Go get me a DH 
get me get me so you stick solar in that in the middle of that Him lineup too. Between, yeah mm-hmm. between between alonzo and and uh Lindor, yep. and you get me a legitimate eighth inning uh, uh, setup, man. And now I'll tell you, you could you have a shot at the wild card because you know what? Get six innings out of these guys. I think Severino bounced back. I think he got a chip on his shoulder. I, I'm not saying the pitching is good, but you know what? You can get by if these guys give you six innings with a good bullpen and a hit and hit the ball. Well, that's the thing. Know? That's the thing. The Mets yeah. are 20th in the league in runs scored last year. I mean, you can't win many games if you can't score many runs. What? Ray, you there? Oh, no. We lost Ray. But we are we are in total lockstep there. I mean, it's it's quite obvious. And and you look at how the Mets starting pitching rotation has is slotted out. And sorry about that, Ray. I don't know what happened, but your number one starter is Kodai Senga. Severino, you're you're praying on a bounce back year. Quintana, all right. Sean Manea, Adrian Hauser, Tyler McGill, Jose Budo, David Peterson. I mean, what? You got Edwin Diaz coming back. Well, that's going to be great. That's good. That's good news. But to 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 not go out and get yourself a designated hitter. So there's another one. I've been championing JD Martinez, who has been, you know, in a, in his career, a better hitter than Soler when you compare their careers. But Soler had a better year than Martinez did last year. So to sit there and tell me, and 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 I, you know, we're gonna give it to Vientos. It's looking more and more like it's it's Vientos's job. What you just handed it to him? He didn't earn that job. That's a recipe for disaster. That's like when the Jets handed Zach Wilson the starting quarterback job. You saw how that ended. Not good. There needs to be some competition from within. It's healthy for there to be some competition from within. Soler is a good choice. Martinez is a good choice. I mean, they need a third baseman. Matt Chapman is out there. And then you got a good little nucleus of guys. Alonzo. Lindor. McNeil, Nimmo, that's a good little nucleus. Especially up the middle, you're good. So to, to to sell the fan base or to undersell the fan base from the Mets, I mean, it's just, to me, I think it's infuriating. It's a slap in the face. Small market Stearns. You wanted him here, didn't you? Steven in Danbury, Connecticut's on line one. What's going on, Steven? Hey, Daniel. What happened to... Uncle Steve, I don't get it. it. You know, you watch those movies, and you have, like, the good guy in the movie, and someone comes along and turns him evil. Like, is that what's happened? Like, this guy was going to save us, and now he's not spending any money. Yeah, I mean, I, I never called the guy Uncle Steve. I think it's, I think it's a little weird there, Steven. Um, but, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, they put the extra uh, luxury tax threshold in. They, they called it the Steve Cohen tax. Where is this guy with the big pockets? You know, and, if, and by the way, Steven, if I'm Pete Alonzo... And I've seen the tens of million dollars that have been paid to players in the locker room and the tens of million dollars that have been paid to, for players to leave that locker room. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I am holding out for every last dollar. Yeah, well, you know what, Danielle? I don't think they're going to have a choice. I think they're going to trade them. So do I. I just feel like the way they're, they're – what's that? I, so do I. I have this feeling that they're going to yeah, trade him. Yeah, I think so too. They're not willing to build a team around him. So come – Come the All Star break, wherever the deadline is, yep. they're going to not be in. They're not going to be competitive. 
and they're gonna pick, they're not gonna want to spend money for some crazy reason, and they're gonna they're gonna kill them. Which is infuriating. It's inf- you know this guy has been nothing but a consummate met, a good met for how long for this team, and they never you know like you said they never built around him. If they wanted to build around him, they would have put. An, I mean, he put all those numbers up last season with no other threat in the lineup before or after him in the lineup. That to me is amazing. Can you imagine what you would have gotten out of Pete Alonso? Should you know JD Martinez been on the team last season when he was available? I know. Hey, listen. Thanks for taking up my call. Hopefully, I don't know. Maybe Steve will will wake up from his slumber and we'll end up getting something out of this off season. Yeah, because right now, Stephen, and thanks for the call. Because right now it's been a gigantic, like, F. It's been like an F. What has the Mets really added? Harrison Bader, ooh. Come on. Right now, I'm looking at the Mets depth chart on the Mets official website. They've got one designated hitter listed. Mark Vientos. Mark Vientos, he's a 205 hitter for his entire career. Starling Marte in right... Brandon Nimmo is your number one center fielder, and Jeff McNeil, for some reason, is listed as number one left fielder. Ronnie Murray. So it's just, it's, it's just, the Mets are a disaster. They really are. Remember when they, remember when they tried putting Mauricio in, in the outfield midway through the season last year in, at the minor leagues? And he was a, just an utter disaster. He'd be the only one, the only one I'd be interested in, in watching maybe develop. But here we are. The 27th of January, 2024, talking about developing, looking to the future for the. This is no small market team. These are the New York Mets with the richest owner in all of baseball. And the offseason they've had with small market Stearns has been absolutely and utterly a disaster. And and what? look at this starting pitching rotation. This team is going to be out of it again by the trade deadline. And the question is going to be, what can we get for Pete Alonso? We don't want to exactly trade him, but, you know, we need prospects, and let's stockpile some prospects. And you saw how highly they're ranked, number 45, 53, 66, and 97 right now. All four of them in the top 100. Nobody higher than number 45, but they need more prospects. Let's trade Alonso for some good prospects. That is what I fear for this team. I mean, the numbers that Pete Alonso put up last year were good. Were really good. 46 home runs, 118 RBI, with no help in the lineup, in front of him, behind him. That, to me, that to me is amazing, actually. Now get somebody in there, help him out a little bit, score some runs, and you can see what happens. You take your chances with the, the, the quadruple-A starting pitching rotation you got. But, man, how disappointing of an offseason for the Mets. And I know there's still 18 days until pitchers and catchers report, so maybe something will shake loose. There's still guys on the free agent market that could help them out. But through this point, it's been a complete and utter disaster for the Mets this offseason. And the first offseason under small market Stearns. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. A quick break. Dexter Henry is here with an update for you. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till one here on The Fan. 
Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. My name is Danielle McCartney, hanging with you till 1 a.m. We are just getting started. Uh, I got uh, a letter in my mailbox. I I haven't actually had a chance to read it, but it was postmarked on December 28th. (laughs) And I just got it today, uh, uh, exactly a month later. But this is from a guy named Joe. And it's two pages. And it's the, he made a spreadsheet. I appreciate the effort here. He made a spreadsheet of what he's calling hypothetical standing as of December 26, 2023, are attached. The proposed system is detailed below, and it would create a healthy competition and disincentivizes deliberately losing games. Oh, so this guy's figured out a way to prevent tanking in the NFL. All right, I'll take a look at that in a second. Anyway, 877-337-6666. Maybe maybe we could transition to to some football. Dexter and I were just talking about the the Chiefs, 49ers, the Lions, the Ravens, and who might advance. But before we we do that, the phone number again is 877-337-6666. Paul, I I picked up some fortune cookies for us. In the, uh, in the in the break room, um, not to eat them, just to read the messages in them. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Can we first explain why we're not eating the fortune cookies? Well, I don't. Well, I've never eaten a fortune cookie before. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I I can't fathom anyone not having a fortune cookie once in their life. No, I just like reading the messages. How have you never had a fortune cookie? How have you not led with this every single show of your life? Uh, I don't know. I just, they don't sound too wheat flour, sugar, water, salt. That doesn't sound like a cookie to me. Uh, It's more of a wafer. Yeah. It's a wafer. I don't know. I don't think tonight's going to be the the night either. But anyway, let's read our messages. You want to go first? You go first. Go ahead. Rip it open. Okay, ripped it open. Okay. Here we go. Okay. And I quote, this is also sponsored by Northern Arizona University. <laughs> Move your career forward. What? Fortune cookies are sponsored now. Wow. Move forward. Nothing can hold you back. Ooh, that's a good one. And that's openfortune.com, apparently. Move forward. Nothing can hold you Move back. Move forward. Nothing can hold you back. That's a good one. How about that? What came to your mind? For what? Well, when you read that, what popped into your oh, mind? Oh, I don't have it. Uh, nothing. What? Nothing. So no, I, I read a fortune. I'm like, okay, I see how I can apply that. And then that, uh, right. I don't like. How do you apply that one? I had a great day today at the AKC Meet the Breeds event <laughs> at the Jacob Javits Center. Third alert. Where I got incredible amounts of dog content, which you can see some of on my ex at Paul's Randomness. You can check that out and on my Instagram. And we're going to release a whole bunch of uh, awesome, funny, hysterical clips in the next week or so. I can't wait. I'm moving forward with my dog content. How's that? Okay. I guess. <laughs> I'm, you, I, I had to come up with something I did. Huh. 
All right. But moving forward? Yeah, I'm moving forward with my dog content. Yeah. And those are the actual dogs that are going to be in the show. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's like three main sh- like dog shows. This is just like a meet the breeds thing. So every single breed that you can think of was there. Alaska Malamutes, Salukis, uh, PBGVs, you, you know, every single uh, Bloodhound, Golden Retriever, all the Spaniels, everyone was there. Huskies? Huskies were there. Yay. I, 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 I saw a few Siberian Huskies. Nice. Scottish Deerhounds were there. Huh. Do you have a dog? No, I don't. I just love dogs. Huh. I feel four, like you should get one. Four-legged friends are better than two-legged friends. I agree with that. <laughs> All right, let's crack open mine here. I've got uh, the same exact brands. Oh, they're purple. That's cool. This one here is um, sponsored by Zell, actually. <laughs> All right, it says... Oh, wait, that's the back of it. Oh, here's the front of it. All right. The sunrise is a little brighter with someone to share it with. Hmm. Well, but look at the look at the numbers on here. Wait. 2 13 42 and 48. Those are some big Yankee numbers. Jeter, A-Rod. I might have to take these and play these in the lottery. I might have to bring these home. These numbers. But I was going to say you know, being here. Oh know, wait, apply, wait, 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 wait. You can't get away with this. No, I'm- I was going to say being here but I'm, I'm only leaving at one today. It's I usually, I used to, and, and I am used to spending the sunrise with, with you and all the listeners. But today it's going to be a little different, I guess. Oh, no, it will not be sunrise at uh, 1 a.m. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, sure. So the sunrise will be a little brighter with someone to share it with. All right. Well, I don't like sunrises. I share it with my dog every morning. I'm done. It's too early. It's too early. I prefer sunsets. Anyway, 877-337-6666. That wasn't as, um, as, I mean, in other words, that was a little anticlimactic, I think. The for, the reading of the fortunes? Yeah. That's fair. I thought it was going to be a little better. That's fair. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue that point, Daniel. Yeah. That's fair. I, I wish, well, we got two good ones, I guess. It was just anticlimactic. I thought it'd be a good thing. I saw them in, in the box. There were like five left and I was like, ah, let me take two. You're not eating yours, are you? No. Oh. No, I'm not eating mine. No. I have some fun cookies and uh, desserts for, I got from the dog show today. So. Oh, that's good. Yes. Are they human treats or dog treats? Watch out. They had both, but these are humans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. It was, what, 48 degrees today in New York City? That sounds like spring training weather to me. And, you know, while the Mets moves have not impressed me much at all, I'm thinking that, I mean, the Yankees brought in Verdugo, Yankees brought in Soto, Yankees brought in Stroman, who I, I didn't, don't exactly like that move, but, you know, he, he can help the uh, the starting pitching rotation. He can, and he will. Because the, the one thing about Marcus Stroman, the, the guy's an innings eater. I mean, he averages something like 193 innings pitched per season, which is something... Yankees really need, actually. So I'll come around on him as long as he can kind of, you know, just keep quiet and stay in his lane. I like that. That's okay. But the shift is happening offensively for the Yankees. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Verdugo and, and, and Soto would have been tops on the team in batting average last season, in on-base percentage, and have 
among the lowest strikeout percentages on the team, the highest extra base hit percentages. That's the direction I love to see the Yankees go offensively. I love it. And as far as the Mets, man, I don't know what they're doing, but it doesn't seem to me like small market Stearns has a plan. How do you just hand a young guy like Mark Vientos the designated hitter job and say, hey, it's yours. And by the way, there's nobody else behind you in the depth chart. It's all yours. I don't like that. Healthy competition from within is a good thing. Mets don't really seem to have it. 877-337-6666. To Floral Park we go. Hey, Richard, what's going on? Hey, Daniel. It's nice to talk to you. Likewise. I want to ask you, I'm a big Mets fan, and uh, every year we always hear, let the kids come and play. Let the kids come and play. So this is their chance. Why don't we give them a chance before everybody gets down on the Mets and the young guys? And I mean, come on. They're young. They want to play. They're hungry. What is what is Martinez going to do for us in DH? I mean, he, he had a lot of protection with the Dodgers in the lineup. You don't think I mean, Alonzo could afford a lot of protection for, for J.D. Martinez? I mean, that would be like a one-two punch. No, we have enough guys. We have the young guys that what? are hungry. They want to play. Every year, that's all we hear. Uh, let the young guys come. Let the, the young guys come and play. They're yeah, when here. the season's already <laughs> over, that's the motto. In July, in August, in September, that's what that's the motto then. I mean, if you look at Mark Vientos should not be be handed that designated hitter job. He's a 205 lifetime hitter. Oh, what's his name? Daniel Vogelback hits 237 lifetime or something like that. He's a better DH than he is. So uh, for me, I can't get behind that. The only way I can get behind let the kids play is after it's already too far gone. Not now. Not now in January. Not in spring training. Not in the first couple months of the season. No way. So let me ask you, who would make a change for the Mets in that lineup other than J.D. Martinez? And other than Martinez? Who would other than J.D. Martinez? How about a guy named Soler? Soler. I don't know. I think we're, I, I think we're good with the guys we got. Let's, let's give them a chance. Let's see what happens in April and May. And if nothing happens in April and May, then I guess they could always look for something else. Let's Are, let me shot. ask you something. Are you buying into this prospect propaganda too? Yes. I already knew that was going to be the answer. Well, then, you know what? You get what you're, you're expecting then. That's it. Thank you, Danielle. Yeah, thanks, Richard. And, and that's it. You've, I knew that was going to be the answer. He bought into the prospect propaganda from small market Stearns, and that's it. Punt on this season. Get ready for next season, 2025. I mean, what kind of strategy is that in a major market? I think it's, I think it's pretty crappy, actually. I, I think you got to, I mean, you got a good nucleus of guys, you know, everyday players. You got to, you got to keep the pedal to the metal, especially with the richest owner in baseball, Juan in the Bronx. What's going on? Hi, Daniel. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making it. You're welcome. Uh, two very short points, both on the Mets. Uh, it's a shame should they, and it looks like they will trade Peter Alonso mm-hmm. because he's part of the list that grows shorter and shorter every year where people say, oh, such and such guy, oh, he's a gamer. And oh, Peter Alonso is a gamer, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, my second point is, um, you know how... Uh, uh, the mess were burned last year, spending $150 million, maybe not that much, 
on those two pictures that later on they had to give him away for pennies on the dollars. Mm -hmm. Of course the man is going to be tighter with his money moving in, moving on, uh, Danielle. While I, while, yeah, I, I'm just trying to think. While I understand that, I mean, for me, I, I would have kept Justin Verlander on my team. I would have yeah. kept him. I wouldn't have traded him because then you're now you're starting from absolute zero. I mean, Kodai yeah. Senga, he's not a zero, but you, you see what I'm saying. Scherzer could yeah, go. You know That's something? all right. Yeah, but you know something? I'm sure that at some point in his life, this man, Steve, Uncle Steve, I'm sure at one point in his life, he knew hardship. Unless someone died when he was six months and left him a gazillion dollars, I'm wow. sure at one point or another. Well, I think we've all had hardship here, but the hardship is not is not losing a couple tens of million dollars on some pictures. I mean, the guy's worth billions, okay? No, Mm-mm. that's not the point. The point is this. I would have kept Verlander. I said it on the air. I thought they might have. and I, But then I, I, that day, I was like, they, I, they're going to trade him. They're going to trade him. And then they ended up trading him. And again, when I look at it from a Pete Alonso standpoint, if they come to me and they say, hey, you know, we'd love to have you. We want to make you part of the team long term. You know, but here's the offer. And if I'm Pete Alonso and I feel like I'm lowballed, immediately I'm going to be like, you know what? No thanks. It's like I had a coworker um, in my the high school I worked in. And he used to say when we were doing like contract negotiations, he used to say, show me the Quan, which is like show me the respect Along with the money, but but show me the respect. And right now, I don't think the Mets are showing Pete Alonso all too much respect. And again, if I'm sitting there at, at you know the stool at his locker, and I'm Pete Alonso, and I've watched tens of millions of dollars come in to pay Lindor, to pay McNeil, to pay Brandon Nimmo, uh, uh, um, what's his name, Edwin Diaz, to come and stay. And then and then Verlander and Scherzer's to stay, and then Verlander and Scherzer tens of million dollars to leave. It's like. I'm I'm like, wait a minute. They've got money here. They should want to play me pay me. I mean, this guy let me think. Let me do some quick math here. One well, first of all, he he's been in, in the league one, two, three, four, five seasons. hundred and sixty one games his first season, hundred and fifty two, hundred and sixty, hundred and fifty four. There was only one season where he only played fifty seven games, and that's that's the COVID season. So this is a guy that's a gamer, like you said, a gamer that goes out there and takes the ball and plays almost every single day. You can't replace that. He's one of the preeminent power hitters in the league. And and why is it that we've been talking pretty much, I mean, that the Mets might trade this guy? I don't know. They haven't made an, uh, a contract offer. They haven't. It's just I don't know. I just have this pit in my stomach that says he's not going to be a Met beyond, you know, the trade deadline this summer. It's also possible that he might not want to be a Met, and if the Mets know that, then they have to trade him. Why would and he I think not that want to be a Met? A lot of people have not wanted to be Mets. It's it's and off it's season, a, yeah, <laughs> and, and and it's okay, and it's a, no one forces anyone to do anything, right? Money certainly talks. But if Alonzo's going to get paid anyway and he wants to go to Chicago or if he wants to go to the Yankees, wherever the hell he wants to go, then Stearns has to move him. They have to get the—they can't let him walk for free. I don't think this is an Aaron Judge situation where you're 95% sure you're, you're going to re-sign him. I'm not that confident in that. I'd love to have him, obviously, but if they don't think the value is there for him 
And if they know for a fact that he's not going to resign, they have to move him. Well, then that opens a whole nother, a different conversation of why are the Mets not a desirable destination? Well, they have to, it's the Mets tax. It's the LOL Mets tax. We're, we've been dealing with it for years. They're, and and that, that, doesn't, that doesn't go away instantly. Steve Cohen tried the big market thing. He tried buying a championship. I was in favor of it. It didn't work. They're trying another op. They're, tra- they're trying the other tra- strategy now. Small market, build it from the ground up, which, by the way, Billy Epler and Steve Cohen told everyone this was going to happen last, at the end of the last No, year. Max Scherzer said it was going to happen, and no one really wanted to believe him. Well, no, and then they confirmed it. They said it. They, they said this is, what, this is the direction they were going in. This shouldn't be that much of a surprise to people. They legit told us. It's... it's- no, we we can argue. We can go back. It's and unacceptable. Forth. We can go back and forth about should you do this in a major market and no. all that and all that. No, but they told us. They told us that we're building this team for twenty five and beyond. What Billy Epler did at the trade down last year was great. He, what? They bought prospects. They they rebuilt their farm system. Number ninety seven. They've got four prospects in the top one hundred. The, the highest ranked guy, number forty five. He was already there. That, that, that's fine. And, and again, I'm the guy, and that's I understand, and I'm the guy that thinks prospects, uh, people overvalue prospects. I think they, they're overvalued, but if you want to, re, you have to start from somewhere. Their farm system was a disaster. They moved two 40 year old plus pitchers that were ne- that didn't want to be here anyway. I don't know if you can categorize it like that. They didn't Scherzer want to, wanted to be here. They didn't, they didn't want to be. He, he stopped He stopped trying, and he was hurt what? all the time. Oh and, and, and the health, and he was hurt all the time. He he couldn't believe that they told him they weren't going to be competing. He went straight to the owner and said, Are, "Is this for real?" And then and then at that point he was like, "All right, well then trade me." I think he was going to get moved anyway, and a big part of that was because Buck Showalter's message dried up, and the Mets didn't play well, and they and as a little ding on Pete Alonso, he came back too early. He came back probably two months too early. I agree, on and that. that and that's a, and again that maybe the players always going to want to come back early. I yeah. understand that. It is what it is. It was an awful year last year. Frankly, the 101 win season was awful too, because that meant nothing. Yeah, what was worse? Um, I'd say last year. It's it's pro- my- probably last year, but it, winning 101 games and it mean, and it means nothing, and you didn't even really make the playoffs because yeah. I don't count that wild card I know, stuff you, as a you won one wild card game. I, I, no, I don't it. even count that as a playoff. You don't even make it. You won 101 games for nothing. Yeah. The season meant nothing. But I think last season's worse to be out so soon, so early, watching these games in the summer, and you're like, this doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it. That's worse. And frankly, we saw that coming when Edwin Diaz gets hurt at the World Baseball Oh, don't Classic. even get me started on that. Because that was, let's, let's be fair, and I know he's only a closer, he's not a position player, I understand that. That that, that was the first domino. Yep. That was the domino to, of all dominoes. I mean, it's like the air was let out of the balloon of the Mets when Diaz went down. Absolutely. Totally agree with you on that. Uh, all right, well. Listen, it's ten twenty. So as I mentioned, uh, I was at the Prudential Center. Um, early, I think it was a Tuesday night this week for a major, major Devils fundraising event, and and I was able to talk to Brodor, Heisher, Hughes on like a multitude of different topics. And the biggest difference between last year's team and this year's team was one of the questions I, I really wanted answered uh, from all of them, really, and. Um, I don't know, just kind of like a shot of optimism for the Devils moving forward. I know they lost to the Lightning tonight. Um, so I've got those audios. Paul's got those audios. 
uh, already queued up for you. Uh, my name is Daniel McCartan. We'll, we'll do that next right here on The Fan. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Mitch makes the catch for the touchdown! He went up with the big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary on the final play of the half. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. With it till 1 a.m. So settle in, get comfy, drive safely if you're on the roads. Thanks for tuning in. Whether it be you know on, the, on your car radio, on a, on a little transistor radio, or on our free Odyssey app. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. And, I, and guess what? I got out this week. Talking about Paul and I were just talking about going out on Saturday nights. I got out on like a Tuesday night. I got out on a school night. Oh yeah, and I went to. The Prudential Center, in fact, for a Devils event, uh, first-class Devils event. We'll talk about that in a second. But I, I went there with a mission to ask a couple direct questions to uh, the the whole team was there. A couple alumni were there. Ken Danico, I said hello to him. Um, but you know, he, he, he comes on a lot, right? So Bordeaux was there, so I definitely want to talk to him. But so at, at last year's All Star break. Um, the New Jersey Devils were second, number two, in the division in points, and they were fourth in the conference as well. And, and they had just a stranglehold on a playoff berth at pretty much this time last year. And this year, to put it lightly, they are on the outside looking in. So why? I mean, I went around with that question a few to a few different players. And um, the first, you know, even chronologically, but the first was three-time Stanley Cup winner, Hockey Hall of Famer, Martin Brodeur. And and here's what he had to say about the biggest difference between last year and this year's Devils. Well, I think, obviously, the injuries, uh, we just got killed this year. It's been a really rough, uh, bad luck uh, type of season for that. Um, Young guys, you know, we got uh, our our decor is a lot younger. Than it was last year, and so that that we knew uh, when we started the season it was going to affect us a little bit. But I think the injuries just compounded uh, the lack of experience we we had a little bit. But by saying that, you know, we're a couple points out of a uh, playoff spot. Right. Uh, you know, and we'll be all right. You know, I'm, I really have a lot of faith in the product that Tom put together to uh, for us to to make a good run again this year. Yeah, and and Tom, by the way, the the GM just got an extension that day. Uh, I followed up with Bordeaux. Did you uh, did you like the? Ex- of course, he said he loved the extension. Blah blah blah. So of course, injuries. Yeah, definitely. That that's part of it. Part of the equation, of course. Probably a really big part of the equation. And uh, and then I then took the question, same question, to a current player, current player by the name of Jack Hughes. And here's what Jack Hughes had to say. Yeah, I think this year we're going to be chasing a little bit, but. Um... You know, think of all the good teams that have made playoffs the last eight, nine, ten years. You know, I think there's not one recipe. I think they've had a lot of years where they dominated and found their way in, and then, you know, a lot of times they squeak in and find a way in. So for us, if we want to be a, a team that makes the playoffs consistently, we're going to have to find a way to, you know, make the playoffs in different ways. So obviously last year we uh, we dominated and we kind of earned, earned our spot earlier than, you know, the end of the season. But 
this year it'll be fun. We'll be playing some really, really competitive hockey uh, down the stretch, and it'll be like life or death every game. So but it'll be fun. Like, what else do you want? A chance to play for the playoffs, you know? Right. And, you know, that that's what it's going to take. Like, this team, like he said, like Jack Hughes said, they're going to be doing a little chasing. They're going to have to play a brand of, like, playoff hockey kind of just to get into the playoffs. Like, so can they do it? Like, look, like I know that, that good teams overcome adversity. That's That's sports, right? That's any sport. But when you've got the face of your team and, and one of the faces of the league on the shelf for, for almost an entire month, I mean, you're in trouble. I mean, this isn't a bunch of excuses. Jack Hughes has only played in 68% of the games this season. They're obviously a better team with him on the ice. Timo Meyer, a little bit better, but he's still only at 72%. Dougie Hamilton hasn't played since pretty much a little bit, two days, I think, before Thanksgiving. This guy played in every game last season. So, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we saw it with the Yankees just this past season. When Aaron Judge, the best player on the team, went down with, with the toe injury, I mean, it was it was, it was was rough. And that's exactly what the Devils are going through right now. It, it's a little rough. And, you know, with all of that said, and all of the time that, that, that has been missed by, by their top players so far this season, it's and as Bordeaux kind of alluded to, the Devils are actually kind of within striking distance of a wild card spot. So at this juncture, at this point in time, with what is it, one more game to go before the All Star break, I'm good with where they're at. Of course, it could be better, but it could also be a lot worse. So for them to have treaded water up until this point, I'm okay with that because. You, you would think, logically speaking, as time goes on, as the days come off the calendar, you, you know, you're pulling the, the days off your calendar on your desk and tossing them into the garbage can, as time goes on, these guys will be back to bolster that lineup and to make a run. Because this is one of the more talented teams in the league. So I asked Nico Heischer for a, um, just, you know, a, a shot of optimism. You know, I ended the interview like, all right, Nico, give the fans a shot of optimism, you know, as to why this team can still make a run. Here's what he said. Character that we've shown uh, throughout some games, too. I think we, we haven't scored the first goal a lot this year, so but we still managed in a lot of games to, to come back and uh, still find a way. And uh, I think that's something that uh, defines us. And uh uh, I want to see that uh, second half. We'll come back. We have a little break. We'll come back. We'll do whatever we can. And uh, we'll get some players back as well, which probably makes the fans excited as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to be back to, to, to our Devils hockey. And it's crazy. I'm glad he mentioned it. Because the in, in, something like 72%... Well, tonight it happened again. So, so I, I would put it at like 72 or 70. But let's just say over 70, in, in over 70% of games, the other team scores first against the Devils. The other team. So I actually really liked that he pointed that out. And and if you wanted to put a positive spin on it, of course you could look at the negative. You could say, well, they give up the first goal every game. I mean, that sucks. Oh, well, you know, they do. In 70-something percent of the games, they do. But... To be within, you know, striking distance where they are in the standings, 
I mean, t- the positive spin on that is kind of like you mentioned, kind of like Nico Heischer told me, th- their grittiness to stay in games, their grittiness to, to mount comebacks, to make it happen, to win. Now, they don't come back and win all the time, but just enough, right? So it, it, it's going to make them a better team down the stretch. And I know they lost tonight, high-scoring game, actually, and they lost. And I walked in here, when I walked in here, the score, or score was only 2 nothing. And, of course, my cousin Danny lives in Tampa. He's a huge Lightning fan. Like, that's like his, his – he always grew up playing baseball. He, he almost had a chance to make it in Major League Baseball. And if you ask him right now, his favorite sport is hockey. Hockey. He lives and breathes Tampa Bay Lightning hockey. So we were talking about the game, and I was like, you know what? The Lightning are going to win that game. The Lightning are going to win. That's it. The Devils are down. They're not out, but they're down. And there's no doubt that the Lightning are going to win this game. And this was like two or three days ago. And um, that's what exactly what happened. So the Devils just need to, you know, I hate the word healthy. I, so I like to use the word uninjured. The Devils just, to be, just need to be a little bit more uninjured and, and get back to it and, and rest up over the break. And um, it's going to, you know, they're going to be a better team down the stretch, no doubt. So ultimately when it boils down to do they make the playoffs this season, do the Devils make the playoffs? I actually think that they do. And that's, you know, the un, no BS, unbiased. I actually think that they do. The only thing is, and I said this before the season started at the live podcast that we did, um, they, um, they, they have concerns in the goal crease. So I don't know what can be done there. But, um, yeah, I, ultimately when it boils down to it, I think – I think the, the Devils are a playoff team. And did you see also, too, that the jerseys came out for the, the stadium series? I did ask them about that, but I don't want to reveal those answers just yet. But the jerseys came out for the stadium series. And, of course, it's it's a Devils-Flyers. And then on that, that Sunday, it's a Rangers and Islanders. And I actually applied for a credential for both. I haven't found out yet, but I, I, I would love to go to those games. But out of the four jerseys, I think the Devils is the cleanest. It grew on me. I didn't like it at first, but I would rank it maybe Devils 1. I would say the Rangers is 2. I initially liked that one best. Um, I think the Flyers are 3, and I just don't understand the Islanders ones. It looks like a, a, a bad Christmas sweater. Like, you know those kind? It looks like a Christmas sweater, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't love it. But I do love the stadium series, and I hope to be there this year. Oh, and um, hey, also... Real quick before we break, um, I did want to mention. I mean, I, this is this is my first show on the air since uh, that news broke that our PD Spike Eskin has accepted an on-air role. Speaking of Philly, in in Philly's drive time, so I, don't know, I just wanted to take a second wish Spike the the best of luck in his new role. Um, drive time is pretty cool, so you know, good for you on that, and you know, just to publicly thank him because. There is, when I think back of, you know, Spike Eskin's tenure here in, in New York, there, there's no doubt that I've gotten better on the radio because of because of him. You know, he takes the time. You know, I know I'm just a part-timer, but he takes the time to, you know, we, we meet on Google Meets and he, he does an air check on me. And he's thorough. He's fair. He's, he's, he's pensive in his assessments. And he's truthful in his assessments. And, you know, I just hope that, Whoever they get in here, 
or it's just going to be just as half as thorough as Spike Eskin was and helpful and, and uh, you know, coaching as, as Spike was. So I just want to say I, I sent a message privately, but I just wanted to say that publicly as well. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, all the talk around here of, you know, me throwing my hat into the ring for, for this job. But, you know, I, I even appreciate further, you know, the actual sincere messages that I get, like, both publicly on social media, privately in my email, of just listeners wishing me well on, on getting that job. But, like, guys, come on. The PD job of a major market? Listen, I only throw my hat in the ring for a job that I know I have a qualification for or qualifications for. Program director of a major market isn't it. Not yet anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know who the new program director is going to be, obviously, but I can tell you this with certainty. I know it's not me. It's not going to be me. I have not thrown my hat into the ring for that. I know I'm not qualified yet for that job. Maybe in 10, 15 years, 20 years, or however long. I don't know, but it's not now. It's not me. I can tell you that for certainty. So thank you for your well wishes and all that, but it's it's not me. But what I can say is at least I do know who, who the third base coach of the Yankees is, and it's not Phil Nevin. And I'm still trying to figure out the joke part of that tweet from a certain other WFAN host. So anyway, Jack Hughes suffering from an upper body injury since January 5th gave me, Daniel McCartan, a, a scoop, I think, about his status for the All-Star Game. So you be the judge. We'll play the audio. Give me a call at 877-337-6666. And speaking of injuries, of course, the news that Julius Randle is going to be sidelined for what I think is going to be about six weeks with a shoulder dislocation. Who's going to step up in his absence? I think you already know the answer. OG Ananobi. We'll talk about that. And how how about Knicks and Devils? Hockey and basketball. Up next, right here on The Fan. Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. Hanging with you till 1 o'clock. Some bad news coming out of the Knicks game. Knicks were up by, I think it was like 17 points. Julius Randle goes down on a hard foul and unfortunately dislocated his his non, the shoulder on his non-shooting arm. He's going to be going for more imaging, but to quote Jalen Brunson, he said, oh, expletive that starts with an S. And yeah, you knew it as soon as, like Julius Randle is a guy that like, Apparently, he's known for his high pain tolerance. So for him to stand up and run pretty much immediately into the locker room, I mean, you knew you knew it was bad. You knew it was a tough break. Not that it, the bone actually broke, but you know what I'm saying. It was a tough break. It was a tough, tough scenario. So turns out, after the game, it's a dislocated shoulder. So now you're looking at this, this Knicks lineup. You've got Hartenstein back. He played 16 minutes, which is good, good you know. Mitchell Robinson's out, and, and I looked, you know, just Google, you know, just a regular old Google said it takes about six weeks uh, for the for him to return. Just Google. Um, 
Here's another one. The primary concern after a shoulder dislocation is the associated soft tissue damage, ligaments, labrum, etc., which will ultimately dictate treatment options. Average time lost for in-season nondescript shoulder dislocation, 31 days. Okay, but that's that's considering, I don't know. But he's going to go for more imaging to, to see if there's any more damage beyond just the dislocation, and, and we'll just have to wait and see. But it's, to me, not in terms of days here. It's in terms of weeks. So what's do, what did the Knicks do in the meantime? Well, in the meantime, you got a guy named OG Ananobi. Uh, do you make a move? I mean, is this the time you pull a trigger on, on a guy? I think it's too soon. Hartenstein, you got to really rely on him. Uh, for now, until we know more information, it, it, the, the answer has got to be it comes from already on the roster. 877-337-6666. We go to Clifton Park, New York. Mike, what's going on there, Mike? Hey, how's it going? Uh, great great show. And uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, Knicks, yeah. please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, um, I remember when, when uh, Mitchell uh, Robinson got got hurt, they waited, you know, a, a, a few games, and they saw the defense was just not not good, and they made a quick move for for, for OG, so I expect uh, Leon Rose to to move quickly. And actually, I've been looking at 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 some of the uh, rosters. Yeah. And the Knicks play the the Hornets soon. Mm-hmm. They actually have a backup power forward, PJ Washington. He's a 25 from K- K- Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He's averaging like 12 and a half points a game and five five uh, re- re- rebounds. And actually, Kyle uh, Lowry is also on that team. So they may be able to get uh, some some reinforcements there, but I have confidence uh, Le- Leon Rose is going to do the right thing at some point. Um, he's done a good job this year. You know what? I'm with you on that, and I do think that he has done an excellent job. So, Mike, and thanks for the call there. You know, your Options are on the table. I guess all options are going to be on the table, right? So what I'm thinking is... I don't know if, if the team coming to town has really anything to do with it, really, really. But I'm thinking, and they've been linked together before. Now might be the time to pull the trigger on Carl Anthony Towns. Now might be it. I mean, how how disgruntled can that guy be? He, he dropped career-high 62 points the other night, and they still lost. They still lost. So he's got to be... What's that word? Not frustrated, but just, I don't know. So maybe maybe now's the time. I don't know, but but anyway, zoom out. I feel totally confident in the Knicks front office. So so let's back up. Let's see. Let's see um, what the extent of the damage is. How many minutes were left on the clock? 427 were, were remaining, and the Knicks were up by 17. Now... This all goes back to part of the video I posted before. Why was he in there to begin with? Why was he there to begin with? They were up by 17 with four minutes to go. You got to rest a guy like that. You got to put him on the bench, Coach Thibodeau. That to me is kind of like the bigger question here. Why was he still on the floor at that point? You can manage the game. It's not like. Like a sport like volleyball, where you get a certain number of subs, or soccer, where you get a certain number of subs per game. 
You can cut. You could pull them out. You could manage. And if they seem to be catching up, then you could put them back in. But the Knicks are apparently very concerned about this. And man, I don't even want to put it into the atmosphere. But like, what if what if it ends his season? I mean, really. The Knicks are really just hit six in a row they've won. This Ananobi trade has been amazing. And you've got Julius Randle going down. It's the Tom Thibodeau special. He will never pull his guys. That, so that's not surprising. That's he not just, surprising. He, he's never done it in his entire... He he doesn't believe in that. It is what it is. It's unlucky, obviously, but it, it is what it is with him. That shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. It's the way he's coached. And and, and and it burns them out every postseason, every playoffs. It burns them out, and, and that's it. Yeah, Done. I think the, the, the question, if, if you're the Knicks, is do you think, like, how much does the front office believe in the team? Like, what, do they, I think they needed to add another piece anyway, yep. even if Randall was healthy. Yep. I think I, they needed to add somebody else. Now you're talking about he's not healthy. He's probably going to be out at least four to six weeks with his dislocated shoulder anyway. Yep. And that's if the MRI is clean. Yep. I think it's an easy four to six. Do you need to replace that guy now? Like, do you? How much are you giving up for? Do you want like an Alex Caruso or Demar Derozan? Yeah. Like, these are the names we're going to be talking about here. And are the is the Knicks front office going to be willing to part with a ton of draft picks and draft capital for a chance to go for it this year? Yeah, I mean, I think they should. I, I, I do. I think they should. I think they have the draft capital to do so. Right now, they're what the fifth seed. In the league, the last I checked, I don't know what if it's changed after after the uh, after the games tonight. I can check real quick. They would be the fourth seed. Uh, them and the and the Cavaliers kind of just flip flop, so they would be the fourth seed. So for me, if it's me, I am. I'm going all in. I mean, I am. I'm doing it. Pushing the chips to the center, and 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 that's and that's it. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Speaking of coaches, Philip in Jamaica, Queens, wants to talk about some NFL coach that I think we all know the name of. Hello, yeah, I'm uh, Philip from Jamaica, Queens. Thank you so much. And, yeah, everyone should know this coach. One of the best, if not the best of all time, Bill Belichick. Yeah. And and I, uh, people are talking about them, the Jets getting Bill Belichick. And here's my concern. I have two concerns. Number one, I'm very concerned of the fact that a lot of teams were not interested in Bill Belichick. By opinion, he's an old-time type of coach. And in these days, um, you need a player's coach. Someone is going to work with the players. And I think Robert Sala fits that. The same with Robert Sala is, I give him one more chance. I want to see how he does with Aaron Rodgers. If he, if he doesn't do well with Aaron Rodgers, then I get rid of him. But if he does do with Aaron uh, well with Aaron Rodgers, I think he'll be fine. He does really good with the defense, and I want your opinion on that. Yeah, Philip, I've seen enough for Robert Sala, and if Bill Belichick is knocking on my door in Farm Park, I'm answering it, and I'm going to welcome him in. And if you know he wants to, and and he's not going to ditch the Jets last second again, that would be my concern. I, I'd give him the job tomorrow. Come on, Robert Sala. I mean, the, the glorified cheerleader on the sideline who wouldn't take over play-calling duty because, in my opinion, he didn't know how to call the offensive plays. I mean, I've seen enough of him. But the only thing is he's going to be around because of for continuity's sake, and that's it. But I've seen enough of him. 
And if Belichick wants a job, I'm giving it to I am. There's no hesitation. None. How about a guy that's familiar with all the teams in your division as well? For how many years? Yeah, I'm doing it. There's no doubt about it I'm doing it. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. We got a quick break, a Dexter Henry update. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 1 here on The Fan. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. My name is Daniel McCartney, hanging with you till 1 a.m. Still got to talk about some Knicks stuff here. We got uh, AFC, NFC championship predictions coming up as well. And uh, what are we, halfway through? So uh, 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. Get aboard. And I've I've been wanting to tell you this story for a while, and I, I just didn't know, you know, where exactly or how to inject this and maybe this isn't a perfect spot either but it falls under the category of ethics and reporting in baseball so story goes like this this past july after i found out i got credential for the all-star game in seattle i don't remember the exact date but this past july kind of right after I i found out i got credentialed I was at Yankee Stadium covering a game. It was just for fun. I just like going just for fun, just to bring some audio back to you for my shows, to to generate some video and some content on air, you know, all that, for social media and all that. So anyway, that day I was talking to Aaron Judge in the clubhouse. It was without a camera, without a microphone, and just kind of shooting the, the breeze, if you will. And I told Aaron Judge that I I. I'm going, and how excited I am to be going, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, you're going to have a lot of fun. Seattle's a great city. And during that short conversation, I asked if he was going too. Because remember, at the time, he was out with the the sprained toe. There was a ton of speculation on whether or not he was going to go to the All-Star game. He was elected as a starting outfielder. And I have to apologize because I, I, I wasn't – really all that truthful, forthcomingly truthful with you because I knew the answer and I couldn't tell you the answer because when I asked him if he was going to the All-Star game too, Judge said to me something along the lines of, and now it's almost a year later, right? But just something along the lines of like, no, I don't think I'm going to make, I don't think I'm going to make it out there this year. And I like paused for a second because I knew I had a scoop. He just told me the scoop of the entire league. Like, think about it. I could have scooped all the scoopers. Every last one of them. So, after, like, this this short pause, I kind of, like, raised my eyebrows and I kind of asked him, I said, just one word. I said, reportable? Just like that. And he and he kind of, like, laughed and he was like, nah, let's, let's just keep that between us for now. 
And guess what? A crazy concept. I did. And that conversation happened on July 5th. News broke on July 9th that he wasn't going to be going. But that wasn't my news to tell. And if Judge didn't want it out there at the time, I certainly wasn't going to be like the total slime ball and put it out there. That's not what I'm about. And so hopefully it pays dividends for me in, in at the you know in somewhere else. You know, the good karma comes back around somewhere else. And also, too, my my best friend at the time, no longer, but that's not related to this, but her stepfather was, was, was Cliff Robinson. And I knew how sick Cliff was. I knew everything about how he was deteriorating. Uh, I, I heard one of the last conversations she had with him on the phone. Do you think I was running to the internet to scoop the scoopers on that? With that information? That's not mine to tell. No. So, I don't know. I, I guess I just believe in these little things called, I don't know, ethics and honoring my word. And I just hope it takes me far. And even if it doesn't, and, and even if maybe I should have scooped the scoopers, at least I can sleep peacefully at night knowing the difference between right and wrong. That's all. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. But, you know, there is a little bit of an apology in there because, you know, when you asked, you know, is Judge going to the the All-Star game? Like, I I knew the answer. I just didn't feel it was my place to say it. You know what I mean? Anyway. All right. Give me a call. 877-337-6666. We go to line two. Michael in Lake Mary, Florida. What's going on, Michael? Hey, Danielle. How you been? Oh, you know, good. How are you? Good, good. Glad to have you back on, Mr. For Thanks. Glad to be back. But, uh, hey, hey. I wanted to talk about. I want to circle back because you, because you haven't been on in a little bit about a big story in New York that that broke right after the last time you were on the air. That was about the whole fallout with Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. Yeah. And you know, it was so disappointing when that first came out, just because of the fact that I finally thought that the Giants were going to be in the situation to get a little more stability with the coaching and the management because, you know, for the last how many years, it was just it was like a turnstile of coaches coming mm-hmm. in and out of here. Mm-hmm. And I was a Wink guy. I know you were a Wink guy coming in. And it was just so disappointing to see all the fallout with that. But, yep. you know, after listening to some of the things going back and forth, doing my own little research, and you know what the bottom line is, and this is just my opinion of it, is that Dable's the boss. You know, and right. he runs the show there, and you can't have your assistants undermining you. So right. the, big, the big take that I had was when it came out that he approached the coaching staff and said, does anybody have a problem with me here? Let's talk and air it out. And none of them did anything, but somebody went to the media to leak it. Mm. And yeah, I just was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just taken aback to say, you know what? Dable runs the show here, and he's got to show he's got the upper hand because you can't have the assistants doing things like that. So although it's disappointing for what happened, it had to be a situation to move on. So I just want to get what your thoughts were about that. Yeah, I mean, once the fissure happened, I mean, I, I was there when Jay Glazer reported it live on, on the Sunday show, and, and people were I, I was one of the people who booed him. Like, come on, that sounds like crap, you know? Yeah. It was almost, you couldn't believe it, right, at the beginning. You couldn't right. believe it, but... Like you said, like you can't you can't have the assistant coach undermining the head coach. And you know what? Dable's the boss. I believe in Dable. And unfortunately, they lost a really good defensive coordinator along the way. When pride got in the way a little bit, and that's it. So 
I don't know. Yeah. I think it's the Giants' loss. I mean, Adoree Jackson was on with, was it Evan or was it uh, BT and Sal? But he, Adoree Jackson mm-hmm. said he was kind of surprised that uh, that yeah. Martindale wouldn't be back. Right. And what about even Xavier, Xavier McKinney coming out saying that he wouldn't even consider coming back to the Giants if, if Martindale was still here. So all I know is, is I, 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 the little bit of faith I might have lost in Dable there, Kind of regained it for me that he's taking control of the team, and you know what? And one last, and one last thought, then I'll then I'll hang up on this. Is that remember when Tom Coughlin was with the Giants? Remember there was a little problem with the way he was running things with the team too, yep. not getting along with players, and then he made some changes and adjustments, and the rest is history. Two Super Bowls later, but Danielle, always great to talk to you. Okay, you too, Michael. Thanks, and we'll talk next week. We'll talk Thank to you. you soon. Thanks. All right, bye. Yeah, I mean when that report first came out. I was like, there's no way. But ultimately, Jay Glazer was, was right. And it started with uh, Dable firing two of Wink Martindale's trusted uh, you know, assistant coaches, fired him. And Wink Martindale was like, what the hell? You know, I'm putting words into his mouth. But like, that's how I imagined it went down. I was like, hey, what the hell? You fired my two assistant coaches. And Dable was probably like, yo, you want to go too? And he was like, I'm out of here. That's how I have it played out in my mind. But... You know, it's just unfortunate. The Giants' defense was was good. I was a Wink Martindale fan, and I was a Brian Dayball fan. And I'm, and and you know, unfortunately, they couldn't uh, they couldn't work it out between the both of them. And then uh, the defense is going to suffer. The Giants' defense will take a step back because Martindale was good. He he got a lot out of that defensive unit that at times you know wasn't the most talented. We'll put it that way. And you know, you, you've got. What's his name? Trey Hawkins. I saw, you know, you're scrolling and you come across things, but Trey Hawkins allowed like almost or near perfect quarterback rating when he was targeted last season. Near perfect. I mean, that's terrible. And yet, you know, you didn't really realize it until kind of like now. And, and that goes to, that credit goes to Wink Martindale for, for that. But, yeah, the Giants defense will take a step back next season, no doubt. And that's an, that's an unfortunate thing. 877-337-6666. We go to line three. Lou in Astoria. What's going on, Lou? Daniel, how are you? Good. How are you? I just happened to get lucky that I put the WFA on. I didn't, you said you was going to be on. You usually do. You usually do. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. On, Thanks for yeah, tuning in. I, listen. Yeah, I listen on, on, the, on the Knicks. This is the two problems that I see with the coach, okay? Mm-hmm. He's beating Denver by 30 points, and he's still want to be his way, and he's playing every regular yep. until the end of the game. That's right. Tonight, today the same way, and now you got somebody hurt, okay? Yep. You have to change your way. You have to make sure that your players stay healthy, and you don't leave him there when you're not supposed to, okay? I, I totally well, agree I, with I, you. I, Look at that, Lou. Yeah, we agree. Know, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm with you. That's what, that's what I brought it up. And as far as the, the, the Giants and the Jets are concerned, when somebody like Bill Belichick comes available, I don't care who you are, yep. you hire that man. Unless they have a conversation, I told, and, and because maybe he didn't want to be part of Rodgers or whatever. Whatever is going on with the, with, the Jets, with the Jets, you know it's about Rodgers right now. And he's like the, in charge of the team. But I will hire Bill Belichick in a heartbeat. I don't care what it takes. Right now, he's the man. And Lou, what what about the people. Falcons hiring Raheem Morris after two meetings with Belichick? Yeah, and you know what? I can't listen. 
you're in charge, you run the team, and you know, even though he's 70 years old, you still have it, okay? I'd rather have him than Salah, which is a disgrace. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, he's a good man, but he can't coach. We all know that. And now the the head coach of the Giants, which you, you, I don't know if you already still like him. He's losing the locker room. There's a lot of things going on in there. Yeah, but Lou, I don't, I don't really. I don't think he's losing the locker room. I, I don't think he is because you like. But coach, you know, there's a lot of saying about that. Uh, that something's going on in there. You know, with today's player, you know, when you're making so much money, you cannot go out there and treat them like little leagues. You know, and and, and you know that. I mean, it's, it's a fact. The players today. It's in charge. Of, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, but I'm not I, but I don't. I, but I disagree. I I think that the more little league is happening with the Jets because when when a Jets player makes a mistake, you just got a silent Robert Sala on the sideline. Whereas when a Giants player makes a mistake, you got Brian Dable all all up in their face. I think it's a yeah, little I different. That. You know what? With the, with the Jets, you're right. It's like a Mickey Mouse game. I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. The coach ruined uh, that our quarterback, and there's no 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 telling what's going on. With the future, because now when Rogers in charge, maybe it's going to take about three years for us to, to even try to get back into the thing. Anyway, the Hall of Famer, if you don't mind, what is your thought? What's going on with the Hall of Famer? I have three criteria that you have to have in order to be a Hall of Famer. Let First me guess. All, let me guess. You have to have won a World Series. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Because, uh, Daniela, baseball is not like football. Baseball is about Hall of Fame is about the regular season. Okay? okay? I mean, that's why Eli Manning is going to go into the Hall of Fame because of the postseason and the Super Bowl. And, and when it comes to baseball, it has to do with MVPs, RBIs, and batting titles. Three offensive categories that you must have in order to qualify. That's me, though. But if you think that I have to... And, and the yeah, other but, thing Lou, there's a whole not, Lou, there's a whole other side of the game, like in the field... That you have to account for as well. I mean, that counts for something. So, um, we could talk about the Hall of Fame, and we could talk about the voting for the Hall of Fame. It's just, I think baseball is kind of stuck in the times, uh, shall I say it like that? Like the writers are the deciders. Well, you know, there are people that, like for example, Michael Kay, who is with the team every day, sees every pitch of every game, and, and he doesn't have a vote. Like, I think the the voting process needs to evolve with the game. It can't just be the writers anymore. There's got to be, you know, more voices, more diversified voices, meaning, like, the backgrounds of which you come. Are you a writer? Are are you a a play-by-play broadcaster? Are you a, you know, this, this, this? That's, you know, are you a radio show host for a long-time radio show host? Are you a this? Are you, you know, whatever it is. I'm trying to think of other examples that I can't off the top of my head. But, you know, all the different media that has evolved, like the voting process needs to account for all of them. It can't just be a, you know, a a pearl-clutching group of writers that gets to decide, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. So, you know, baseball has gotten with the times in, in many other facets, including... You know, the pitch clock, which is fantastic, and, and all of those, and you know, all of it, speeding up the game, and, and all of it. But there's a lot to be desired in the way that guys are voted on um, for the Hall of Fame, the ones that get in and the ones that don't. 
And I like the existence of the Veterans Committee. I do like that. Um, because it gives like kind of like a safety net for guys that, you know, might have been missed. Like, I mean, you've got guys that don't, or writers, I should say, that don't vote for, for, for players just because. You know, oh, well, you know, what Mickey Mantle, uh, what was you know he he didn't get in. It's just I like they out of principle they won't vote for a guy to make sure he gets in on the first ballot. Like that's crazy to me. It's actually crazy. So I think that it is important for the voting process to evolve with the game and with the times. And if that means giving more people a say, then, then, then it means giving more people a say. We go to Andy in Freehold. What's going on? Uh, oh, sorry, Anthony. What's going on, Anthony? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, yeah, this, this Hall of Fame discussion, I, I, I'm going crazy with this. I mean, it's crazy that we let these guys, and this is no shade on, on any of them. Uh, I think they're, they're good at what they do, but guys like... Um, you know, these writers that get put on pedestals today because of social media, and they have this whole, like, ego persona, and there's a lot of bias that's going into these votes. Right, and that's like, the whole thing. They, they, they don't want to give maybe Michael Kay a vote because he, he's a broadcaster for the team. You know, yeah. he might be biased. Really? Come on. Yeah, he, yeah, he might be biased. Yeah, yeah, he right. might, he might be biased. Come on. Exactly. I hate it. And, you know, I think the players, whether it's even current or past, these players should have – some type of say as well. I mean, guys that had real on-field yeah. and off-field experiences with these guys that know the, the uh-huh. actual guy. Yep. You know. Yeah, um, I, but- I agree with you. I think it's really important. That's like, you know, like I'm in education during the week, and it's like all these people make policies for us, and we don't ever really have a say in them. And it's like, well, wait a second. We're the boots on the ground. We should be making the decision. It's right. kind of like the yeah. same thing. Like players who played against these guys should have a say. They should have a say. They they know these players. We you know, these writers, they know so much. You know, one of these guys could have pissed them off in the in the clubhouse one day. Yeah. And it's like, yep. you know, okay, that guy's not getting my vote. That's cr- I know. Later. And that is biased. And that is crazy. Right, exactly. Where these guys on the field, you know, they go through losing seasons with these guys, you know, winning seasons, MVP seasons, you know, and they see, you know, their character, uh, they should have to say. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Totally agree with you. Yeah, I also wanted to touch on something you said before, um, where as far as, um, you know, a name in the media where you, you know, you got that info from Judge Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. and you didn't leak it, which was obviously the right thing to do and and the honorable thing to do Mm -hmm. um, as a media member. But, you know, months later, I feel like if you're now, you know, going on air and sharing the experience, with the public, you know, the act is, is not less honorable, but, but that says something as well. I feel. What you know, do you mean? You know what I'm trying to say? No. I'm trying to say you, you covered up the story at the, at the time that you would have got the most clicks and, and all of that, which is respectful because a lot of people obviously wouldn't have done that. Yeah. But now months later, you know, you're leaking it on the air. Um, so it's like you, you're telling me how you didn't talk about that experience to other people, but you know now I'm going to share it months later. The Yankees and Judge both had a feeling a little bit before the, you know, the general public knew, and it's like we're going to keep that quiet. And you kept it quiet, but now months later it's like I'm going to share that experience, 
And I feel like that almost has the same dent um, as if you were to actually leak it because it's like now you're you're telling everybody that you have to do that act. Yeah, but I, but I disagree because it, he didn't go. Everybody knows he didn't go. So I'm just I'm just telling a story. Right. No, no. And, and I, I see that side as well. I, I just kind of think that leaking it a couple months later, leaking the side of it where it's like, okay, me as the media member, I didn't leak this info. Mm-hmm. But it's like, um, you know, now that's a bad all gone by. Let me let me talk about it. It's like I feel like now going forward, clubhouse experience. If, if I was someone in the clubhouse, if I was a GM, if I was a player, and I would maybe not have that type of experience with you because it's like, listen, I know she might not cover it up now, but in a couple of months, you know, she she might mention it on air, and it's like that's still info that at the time I wanted private, and to this day. I would, I would have kind of just liked that to die on the scene. Nah, see, I disagree, Andy. I, I think Anthony. I'm sorry, I keep calling you no, Andy. Um, yeah, no, I disagree. I, I think it kind of it, as a player, I would look at that reporter and I would say, "Hey, like, you know, I, I know you have a microphone in front of your face. I know people are calling about it and asking about it. And and you know what? I, I appreciate that you kept it that quiet and, and allowed me to to dictate the narrative of my own story. And I appreciate that because if I had done it at the time, I, you know, as a player, I'd be like. Don't trust her. Don't trust her. She's gonna. Don't tell her anything. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. And yeah. now, for now, it's uh, it's it's bygones be bygones. Now the story doesn't matter anymore. I mean, he didn't play. Everybody knows he didn't play. And and maybe I wasn't the only one that he said to keep quiet. Maybe everybody was keeping it quiet. No one told each other about it. I don't know. No, I I know what you mean. And and again, I'm, I'm not changing my opinion on as far as what you did at the time was right. It continues to still be right. I just think that it's kind of like you did this, you know, honorable deed. Nine months later, let me share it with everyone. Well, it's better than than getting the message there, Anthony, and then telling the whole world uh, hours later. Better than that. Nah, I, 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 you know, that's where I'm coming from. You know, you get this bit of information, and the first thing you do is you run to the internet, or you run to the radio, and, and call in and say, hey, I got this. No. It's not what it's about for me anyway. It's about integrity. And it's not just the judge story. There have been other stories. The Cliff and Robertson story. There have been others that, you know what, I knew about and didn't want to scoop the scoopers. It's not my story to tell. And now, he didn't go. Everybody knows. You know, it's, 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 it's water under the bridge at this point. That's it. And I kept the secret. 877-337-6666. Speaking of scoops, let's do this. Jack Hughes, I think, gave me a scoop, but this one was on camera. This was He knew he was being recorded on camera, and he talked about the All-Star game and his injuries. You be the judge. 877-337-6666. We'll have that audio for you next right here on The Fan. The Fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. To the fan, my name is Danielle McCartan with you till 1 a.m. Rolling right along. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard. Been a mishmash of things tonight. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, I was at with the Devils 
the other night. Was it Tuesday night, Wednesday night? It was a long week at school. I'll tell you that much. So I don't think it was Tuesday. But they had a, one of their quintessential fundraising events called the Devil's Sweep the Deck Gala. They're at the Prudential Center. And a huge shout out to, to Megan with the Devil's PR. She was fantastic. The assist on all the interviews I did goes to her. Um, and one of the guys I got to talk to, was lucky to talk to, was, was Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes has been sidelined since I was at that game, actually, January 5th, with what they're calling an upper body injury. And my takeaway is that he is not closing the door on playing in this season's All-Star game. So think about, you know, other players across other sports that are injured that might come back to play in the All-Star game. And... We'll play the audio for you in a second. You can decide because I think I think it's what they call in the business a scoop. And so here, the question I asked him basically was about, you know, your thoughts on missing out on the ability and the chance to play alongside your brother in the All-Star game this season. And here's what Jack Hughes said. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely not out of the question, though. Like, who knows, you know? Uh, if I'm feeling up for it, then then why not? Like, when do you get the chance to be a captain and draft a team? You know what I mean? Like, put a smile on my face. It's pretty fun. So, uh, if I'm healthy, of course, I'd love to play. But I also want to be considerate to my body and uh, and my teammates. But, you know, definitely not putting a hard no to that. We'll see We'll see how I'm feeling. Skills competition to maybe then. I better be at my, my peak then. I better be feeling good because I'm not going into that to come 12th place, you know. So. Yeah, well. He said that's definitely not out of the question, though, playing in the game. He said, I want to be considerate to my body and my teammates, but I'm definitely not putting a hard no to that. I thought was interesting. Now, this is a guy who knew he was on camera, knew he was being recorded. There was no mistake about it. So I'm I'm actually kind of torn on this, on, on whether he should play in the game or not. My initial reaction is like, hell no. I think that's the obvious kind of unbiased answer. No, Jack Hughes should not play in the All-Star game this year because he hasn't played in the game for almost exactly an entire month. So why get out there on the ice? Why risk re-aggravating the injury or coming away with a new one even? And why maybe run that risk of delaying your return to a team that so badly needs you for a playoff push? Yes, playing it is the other option. And, and, I can see his perspective. Like, when would you get to be co-captain with your brother again at the NHL All-Star Game? Like, nothing is given, especially in such a rough, rough sport. So, I'm leaning a little bit yes at this point. And, and I'm trying to rationalize this earlier today. And I'm like, well, it's only three-on-three three hockey, so it isn't all too rough. You should be fine. Should being the operative word there. So, you know, ultimately, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but... Ultimately, my recommendation is for, yes, Jack Hughes to play in that All-Star game. As crazy as that sounds, as counterintuitive as you what you think I might have said, initially I was like, what? No way. You should. In my mind, my inner monologue as he's talking to me was like, no way you should be playing in this game. But I, I thought about it and I heard how excited he was and his eyes lit up about talking about playing alongside his brother. And I'm like, man, th that would be cool. You know, in such a rough sport where, where next year is never given, it's just, 
it's cool. Anyway, 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. We go in the order that you call Jay in Fort Lee. What's going on there, Jay? Hey, Coach, my fellow Upper Saddle Riverian. What does that mean? I don't know if you... Uh, well, it means I lived in Upper Saddle River for 26 years. Oh, well, that's I don't live there. I wish I lived there, but I play softball there in the in the league there at yes, Lions Park. Yeah, you've called before. I remember you. Yep, yes, I have. Yep. So before I get to my next question, I heard you talking before about, uh, you know, the, the how they choose and the the, uh, the whole Major League Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I grew up really enjoying and thinking very highly of Tony Oliva. They had a lot of injuries, and yet they just put him in the Hall of Fame. And if you look at his numbers, and he won a batting title, whatever, if you look at his numbers and put him up against Don Mattingly, there's yeah. no way you can keep Mattingly out. Yep. Yep, and and that's the, the, the prime example, like you just brought up. The Mattingly is the prime example. Absolutely, yes. Well, I was cool with that as a Yankee fan, with Mattingly not making it and Munson not making it, because even though they had brilliant years, their careers... We're just we're too cut short. short for different reasons, you know. But yep. once you start making it the hall of the very good, yeah. how do you keep Mattingly out? How do you keep Thurman Munson out, you know, at that point? Yep. So I don't know. And I've made a case uh, no, in the past. I mean, John Franco's not in. When you think of the pro football, like a guy that has gotten, a, uh, you know, the, the bad end of the stick is – for in the in football is is Mark Bavaro. I mean, I compared his numbers. I did oh, a deep dive man. on him. Oh, Talk about Lord. having a too short of a career. I mean, the guy's yeah. all a famer. Well, but yeah, you say too short of a career, and they really have to look at the impact. Do the Giants win Super Bowls without Mark Bavaro? I don't know. If I they don't do. know. Yeah, uh, he was uh, you know just a crucial point. And you know, you can make the same. I mean, granted, Bavaro wasn't to football what Sandy Kopach was to baseball. Correct. But Sandy Kopach had six good years. That's it. But they were incredible. Yep. You know? so, yep. So to me, I always go by, look, if you have to think about it, they're not a Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, and I was surprised that Musita got in. Very good pitcher. but Or, or, or Kitty Cat. I mean, great guy. You know, knows his pitching. But these are very good careers. But, you know, to be the Hall of Fame, it should be, like, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, I, don't, I just don't see it like that anymore. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely been uh, diluted, for lack of a better word. Yeah, no, uh, all right, so, I agree with you on that. So, moving on to the Knicks. Coach, I need to, what, what, I mean, I love the kid in Atlanta, Murray. But if, you, if they made a deal and got a guy like Murray... Doesn't that kind of bring back, and I didn't see this, you know, when they made that trade for OG, I'm like, Mm -hmm. what the heck are they doing? Mm -hmm. And I was totally wrong. It opened up the floor. Everybody knows where the spacing is. Uh, The defense is much better. The ball movement is excellent. The two main guys get the ball more. So if you bring in a guy like Murray, what is that? Doesn't that bring that RJ problem back? I don't know. I mean, the Knicks need scoring, too. And thanks for your call there, Jay. The Knicks need scoring. And Murray, I mean, for example, Murray, he's got like 22 points a game. I mean, that's important, too. And he's a guy who averages a ton of minutes per game. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Obviously, everything comes with a cost. But back to the OG trade, it's like I was on the air that day, like five minutes after the news broke. And the initial and like through that it was only a three hour show that day that Saturday and through the the course of the show initially it was like 
the outrage about how can they trade away two homegrown guys and blah, blah, blah. And then by the end of the show, I had on Stefan Bondi and, you know, uh, from the, was he the Post or the Daily News? But he's a very respected writer for the Knicks. And I had him on and he kind of flipped the, the narrative a little bit, you know, because it became of, well, Look at what OG does that these two guys didn't do. And yes, while it sucks, you know, and then and then it and it changed the narrative. Like, and then after that conversation with him, you know, I cards, you know, like, listen, these guys were homegrown guys. I'm, I'm glad they got the ovation they got at the Garden when they came back. But look at what OG Ananobi can do for this team. And then now, stand back and look, look, look what ha- he has done for this team. So, I mean, I mean, the Knicks are. 12 and 2 since he got here. They've got like an I mean an amazing 6 game winning streak and you know and all, all everything that comes with it. I mean the guy plays defense in five different positions. He's a lockdown defender which we sort of knew coming in but he didn't really know really watch closely and see until now. So yeah, there's a lot to like and and of course there's question marks with Julius Randle and and how long he'll be out and et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. But they're still, as good as the Knicks are playing, as good as OG and Anobi fits onto this team, there's still something that concerns me before I can start putting the Knicks in a conversation for, you know, that uppermost echelon of teams that can win the championship this season. And, um, yeah, I'm Daniel McCartan. Don't move. I'll explain that coming up next right here on The Fan. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Play fake, Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. My name is Danielle McCartan, and as I sit here, um, quite honestly, I, I have SNL on TV, uh, mostly because Justin Timberlake is on, and I am very excited that Justin Timberlake is on with a new album and a new single and all that. So I do have it on in the studio, and I saw, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I obviously don't have the volume on, but I did see that they were doing a segment that kind of spoofed. Uh, the the NFL on CBS. Uh, it looked like it was like spoof of like the the NFL playoff coverage because I did see like the Ravens logo on there, and so I don't know because it in- involves you know a colleague of mine, Boomer Esiason, and in his show that he does on Sunday. Can anybody just let us know what actually happened in that skit? Because I tried looking online, couldn't find it, but I did see it going down on the TV right here in the studio. So, I mean, was it was it a good thing or was it like a bad thing i don't know so if you watched it you happen to see it you're, you're watching it and listening to the show at the same time please let me know you can call us up or you can just tweet me at coach m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n i'm very very curious what that was um so we go to og ananobi right and he he was asked like, two three four days ago about you know just his impact on the knicks and he said, this is a quote, he said, I expected it. I expected to make a difference. And make a difference, like, he has. Like, the Knicks look like a completely different team. And if the season ended today, the Knicks, as of right now, this 
minute. Let me refresh this just to make sure we are most the most up to date. Yeah, the Knicks would have the fourth seed in the playoff playoffs. The fourth. They would take on the number five seed, of course, the Cavaliers. And in the pre-OG, I mean, we could talk about this season for the Knicks as like pre-OG and post-OG. But in the pre-OG times, they they have two games with them and they've split it. 1-1. And, you know, just that that plus-minus stat is just so impactful. And OG Ananobi has the highest and the or the best plus-minus rating through his first 13 games with his new team since the stat was tracked. And the number two guy is Rasheed Wallace when he was traded to Detroit in 2004. And guess what? For the Pistons that year, it ended in a championship. So I'm wondering kind of out loud is if, if this Knicks team is destined for a championship like that Detroit Pistons team was. And, and maybe... I did put some money on it about 10 days ago. I did. But there's just this, you know, one thing. It's the divvying up of the minutes played. It is something that year in and year out bites Tom Thibodeau's teams here in New York, especially in the butt every single postseason. The main players always seem to run out of gas because they've got so much mileage on them throughout the regular season. And Josh Hart, he he kind of recently kind of warned. He said, I think we're really good, but we got to continue to get better. If we get too happy after game 45 or whatever, it doesn't mean anything. And and he's right. Now, look, like, I understand that Mitchell Robinson can be back before the playoffs start. It's not out of the question. And I understand Isaiah Hartenstein, what, tonight was his first game back. He played 16 total minutes. He's getting back on the right track, right? But it concerns me that OG Ananobi has skyrocketed to the top of the Knicks in terms of minutes, you know, average minutes played per game. Brunson is a close second. Randall is a close third. And, and they need more balance and more depth on that roster. And it really bothers me that with four minutes and 27 seconds left to go in the game, the Knicks up by 17, he still got Randall in there earlier today. He's still in there, and guess what happened? He got hurt. Now he's going to be out for, not in terms of days, counting days, it's going to be weeks. And, I don't know, I I just look at last year's championship winning Nuggets. Jokic, obviously their best player, he he averaged last year 33.7 minutes played per game. And on these Knicks, that would be the fourth highest in minutes played. Those Nuggets had 14 guys averaging double-digit minutes played per game. 14 of them. And the year before that, the Warriors won it all. And Steph Curry would have, too, been fourth on these Knicks in minutes played per game. And that championship Warriors team from two years ago had 15 guys averaging double-digit minutes per game. These Knicks have just nine. And now I guess you take Randall out, and, and they're down to eight. Guys that average double-digit minutes per game. And that is just a recipe for for playoff burnout and early exit. And I don't know. I just think that the depth of the roster and and minutes played per game go hand-in-hand. They do. McBride said, we haven't even hit the All-Star break, but I don't see why we can't do great things as long as we just stay together and just prepare like we have been doing. That's the thing. 
the, the Knicks don't have the depth just yet to make a deep run. They just don't. So that's obviously what they need to target. 877-337-6666. Joe and Parsippany. What's going on, Joe? Hey, how you doing, Danielle? Uh, doing all right. How are you? Yeah, good. Great to have you on the air. Um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on that. I kind of agree on what you've been saying. Um, I think that, you know, the Knicks need to add a piece now, especially with Randall out. Um, you know, they are at the fourth seat. Uh, I could see them dropping, you know, significantly. Yep. It looked like he could be out potentially 12 games. I could see them dropping in the seating being at the fourth seat right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not something we want to do. I, I think, you know, even before him getting this injury, uh, they needed to add an extra piece for scoring. Agreed. Just because of the inconsistency with him in the playoffs. You know, you never know what you're getting with him in the playoffs. He ha- he seems to have great regular seasons, and then the pressure of the playoffs, he seems to disappear a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe, well said. I exactly agree with that. We talked on the air that day of, of the OG trade that they still needed, you know, more help to, to be brought in here. So... I, I, you know, I don't know. The NBA is a weird thing because you never know, right? Like that, that day when that trade went down, you didn't know, right? It was just out of the blue, kind of, sort of. Taken off guard. So it's like, all right, what do they got cooking behind the scenes that we don't know about just yet? And again, the Randall thing, weeks, not days. So... Who are they going to bring in now? We talked about that they needed to bring somebody in back when the trade went down originally. And now at Randall out, they're going to have to do something. (laughs) They're going to have to. We'll see what happens. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 1 on the fan.